everybody. Welcome into another edition. This is Cross Functionality, the show where coaching intersects baseball and softball, male and female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Thank you for joining us today and listening on the audio side, however that may be. And of course, watching on the YouTube side, Softball Strength Academy YouTube page. Our topic today, episode 11, Navigating Your Life Post-Athletic Career. There's a lot on this uh, on this tree a lot of branches we'll get to today um, mm-hmm. talking about this topic. Let me bring in my friend and co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama, current day renowned coach, Cassie Riley Bosha. What's up, sister? Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me again. Excited for today. I like your sweatshirt. Um, Thank you. For the record, we're Appreciate recording this it. on a Saturday. Yes. Um, happy Saturday to you. Happy Wednesday to the listening and watching audience. And uh, you're wearing an Alabama sweatshirt today because you are, I think, representing your alma mater as they play whomever they play. To. I didn't. I don't know who they play today. I was watching the Maryland Michigan game. Michigan yes. was pretty good this year. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh, you know what? It's uh, I try to wear Alabama stuff on Saturday, especially in football season. But this is um, this is like an off brand from the university. I, it showed up on my Instagram. It was a usually don't see like off-brand softball stuff uh so i got this last year for the 2022 season um and yeah it's a good one <laughs> and your instagram of course at cassie underscore uh, oh so i'm sorry um at coach underscore cassie rb on instagram. i can't get it straight so that's totally fine <laughs> I, I was i was so confident too I, was like, <laughs> I went right in barreling for it Good start to the show. Okay, um, today our main topic, uh, navigating your life post-athletic career. I saw a great story. I want to bring this up um, earlier in the week. Um, this is one of the key points to navigating your life post-athletic career because I've always said there is the athlete athlete's age and then there's the regular life age. People always say your life, you've got your whole life ahead of you and it doesn't start until you're 35. Mm-hmm. When you're 35 as an athlete, you're – athletic life is starting to come to an end. So my point here, a gentleman named, I don't know if you saw the story, Carl, I hope I'm saying his last name right, Alambi, or Alambi, maybe I'm pronouncing the syllables wrong, a former East Cleveland car mechanic who made national news graduating from medical school, ready for this, at the age of 47, and he'll complete his medical residency at Cleveland Clinic Akron General Hospital uh, this weekend. So I guess right now this weekend because this story came out earlier in the week so it just goes to show you really that not only when people say well it's never too late to pursue your dreams yes of course i understand all of that but sometimes with athletes we we get into this mindset of when we reach the age of 30 post and thinking about this post athletic life we think we're very very old when in reality we're still very very young and there's still a lot of opportunities opened up for not just athletes but regular adults in general Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. You said 30, 35 and athletic careers over uh, for, you know, it is a very small, I think, percent of males that get to play post-college. But then there's an even smaller percentage of females that have that opportunity to continue to call themselves an athlete, uh, an athlete that's competing professionally um, post-college. And uh, so it is it is interesting because you're right, you know, 30 is young and so is 22. And and so many people, so many athletes end their career at 22. And uh, I I had family members like people close to me say, you know, hey, well, you've been to the moon. Uh, Everything else is kind of uh, downhill from here. Talking about the rest of your life. That was probably projecting uh, and probably projecting his life on other people. But it is crazy to think that you know, a lot of people graduate thinking like, okay, well, I, I just experienced the best days of my life and now I'll figure out the rest maybe, you know. 
Yeah, and I think that if you are a collegiate athlete, you do experience, especially at a big school like you were, I think you experience a lot of things that most people don't get to experience. You get some perks that most people don't really get. But that idea of, well, my my, it's all downhill from here when you turn 21, 22, it's a complete an utter fallacy. I mean, your life's not even getting started yet at that mm. point, because in your twenties, you're kind of still navigating things, especially in your post-athletic career or post-athletic life as it were. Yeah. It, and you know, what's, it's crazy too, because people say, you know, from an outside perspective, I think when teenage teenagers look at people in their twenties and they're like, Oh, they're so cool. They're living on their own. They're doing these cool things. And you know, yeah. people who are older look at people in their twenties and are like, Oh, to be 20 again. And yet I remember being 25 and looking around and, and all my friends were experiencing anxiety. All my friends were like, I don't know if I picked the right career. I don't know if I'm in the right place. It's so it's, it's even, it's of course, like once you're done as an athlete, you have to deal with, your whole identity shifting. But in addition, you have to deal with, well, I don't have school laid out for me anymore. It's not like I know I'm going to go to this grade and then this grade, and then, you know, I'll go to college and finish this grade and this grade and this grade. It's, well, what do you want to do now? You go and pick, you know, and it's, I think there's a lot of anxiety surrounding that as well. In addition to, well, now who am I without my sport? Right. You know, it's, it's funny because, um, I'm, I was going to ask later, but I'll ask now, did you ever experience that anxiety when you were going off and the national championship was done and all the celebrations were over and you, you knew that you were heading out to Iowa for, for postgraduate work. Did you ever have that type of anxiety or was there any sort of doubt that started to, um, kind of kick in with you when you were thinking about all of these things? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I played my whole four years and I, I felt like I dreaded the moment I wasn't going to be an athlete anymore. I wasn't going to have my team or really that, that softball is going to be removed from my life as, as, as me being a player. And I felt like I dreaded, dreaded it so much. And I had this false idea in my head that if we won the national championship, I would somehow evade that feeling. Like it was like, like we would have been like my body armor, like, nope, I don't feel bad about anything because I won the national championship. <laughs> yeah. So I, if anything, I probably just kicked the can down the road. Cause I remember being in the middle of Iowa and being like, what am I doing? Like, why, why am I here? Why didn't I choose something else? Like, should I have picked something else? Should I have picked a different grad degree? Like all of a sudden you have a day where you're questioning, should I be here? Um, and then a hundred percent that'll happen. That happens throughout. I think anybody's career. It's not just in your twenties where, you know, certain things start to happen and you wonder, have I outgrown my position? Did I pick the right position? Well, I'm going to start comparing myself X, Y, and Z people are earning more money than me. And they seem so much happier in their job. They seem like they love their job. You know, all those things come into play. I, I think it's very difficult to be completely immune from those at all times. Um, I feel like they, they definitely creep in every now and then. And certainly I experience those, just a couple times throughout my life. And I probably will continue to experience little things like that here and there, but I feel like it's way more concentrated right when you, you know, get done playing, get done with college. And yeah, I, I, I heard somebody say that, you know, you see a lot of times now on social media, put people maybe posting about their jobs and their, their happiness. I did that in air mm -hmm. quotes. Um, but I heard from somebody once that, that pictures taken on social media, they're just a, a moment in time that it doesn't really show you the whole picture at all. And it doesn't explain that person's feelings pre and post that social media posting. And I, I think that a lot of times that gives you, um, that, that, that puts you down the wrong road mentally and, and, and puts you in the wrong place in, in your thinking in that everybody else is happy all of the time. And here I am, you know, post athletic career, and I have no idea what I'm doing with my mm. life. Yeah. Uh, they say comparison is the thief of joy. Right. And yeah. 
that what what allows us to compare better than social media, you know, and and so that that's certainly a you know, and and maybe I'm I'm being uh, like hyper aware of of how my peers were feeling because Instagram and Snapchat and everything TikTok became so or still is becoming prevalent, but especially like right when I graduated was basically Instagram's taking off. And I feel like that was the first time people could really be like, oh, wait a second, so-and-so played at Florida and, and is now ha- doing X, Y, and Z internship. Like, where did, did we miss that? Like, something as silly as that, that all of a sudden that thought crosses your mind and it, and it, it doesn't feel good. It's not a good feeling to question what you're doing and where you're at. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I, I think that's, that's challenging and that's a great point. It, it is a moment in time. And I think a lot of people feel pressure to try to showcase like, oh, I'm happy. I'm doing well. Look how great yeah. things are, you know? That's a good word for it. Showcase. I, I don't, I, I got to tell you, and, and maybe it's just me. I don't mind people who post content. You do it. I do it on social media or even post their job listings or their job titles in their social media biographies. What I do mind though, is people who continually have to find a need this, they have this unquenchable thirst to post what current position or what new position they've obtained Mm. and they do it in a way where it's a, they call it a humble brag when in reality it doesn't tell the whole story. And and I'm not, I I don't know, I'm getting off topic here of what our main topic is today, but I'm just not for really doing that. I think LinkedIn is for that and everything else. I think that you should just either put it in your, your header, whatever that may be, Twitter, Instagram, and just go about your life and just do what what you're going to do unless you're going to really put, we have to post content out there as we do every week. I don't know. Right. Well, you know, it's not, it's not too far off topic. I mean, look at what athletes are really conditioned or feel like they have to do right now where it's like, I'm humbled and blessed to announce I have received a scholarship. Right. It's very, it's very pretentious. It it does feel weird. And it's funny too. Cause like, you know, I had an athlete, she got a a big packet from uh, some big time D one school and she Mm -hmm. was so proud of it. She called me and she was like, my travel ball coach really wa- says I have to post that on social media like that. Mm-hmm. I got that because then other schools will know. And it, and she felt so uncomfortable with it, but she felt so cornered into, well, this is just how things are. And this is just how you have to do things in order to get recruited. But yeah, it, it is interesting. It's like this very, um, I don't know if it's like this, like quick sense of dopamine, like, Oh, I feel good about myself in, in the short term, but Right. I feel like if, if you were having a face-to-face conversation with someone and you got to be like, yeah, I, I'm getting recruited by all these schools or I got this job promotion. And then you see the reaction of the person on the other side that is like, oh, good for you. Like maybe that would be better feedback to say, maybe I shouldn't word it that way. <laughs> like yeah. they don't get any feedback on <laughs> on when yeah. the, those postings happen. So, well, And I bring this up because I, I mentioned to you about the Phillies having a, a uh, the hitting coordinator job open in their player development system. And the person, I won't name who it is, but the person who occupied that position and has now since left that position, I don't don't know what happened. I'm going to assume that he resigned, given give the benefit of the doubt. He posted a big, long message on social media as to why he left the position and this and that. And it's like, I don't know, it gets to a point where you say to yourself, and this is, again, the fallacy of social media. It's like, at least this is just me. I say, I'm like, who cares? You're done. You left. Okay. You moved on to the next thing. I, you know, that's what LinkedIn is for. That's, I don't know. I, I, to me, it just, it never used to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and now social media has magnified people uh, and uh, people um, um, getting the opportunity, giving them the opportunity to, to name the next position that they're, that they've 
obtained or or to give gives them the platform to tell people hey i'm moving on to this next job or i've moved on from this job I don't know. It just seems very, again, pretentious to me. It's, it, it does seem strange. Yeah. And and maybe that's us not growing up with it. And you mm -hmm. ask someone who's 15 years younger than us or 10 years younger, and they'll say, well, no, that's just, that's normal. That's what happens. That's, you know, that's yeah. what they they're used to. So I don't know, but I, I do think it definitely, it definitely affects an athlete post-career because that whole cycle of, well, I've always been a part of a team. I've always been an athlete. Now what? Well, now they have, however many people they want to follow to be able to compare to their now what's, you know, and, and, and really it's comparing and questioning what they're currently doing. And we wonder why like depression is so much higher and, and how much yeah. harder it is sometimes for people to move on. It's that's a, that's a, a spiral you can't get out of until you break it and say, okay, no more of this. This actually doesn't matter. Let's redefine who I am now, or let's find out exactly who I am without my sport now. It's like it's like we we're like the older generation now, bagging on the younger generation. We've reached that age. We're starting to do that. Back in my day. <laughs> Back in my day, we didn't have social media. Well, we did, but we had MySpace. We had our top five friends on MySpace. It was different. It was certainly different, and it wasn't in your pocket. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. another. That's another thing. That instant gratification. You can instantly. I have my phone right here, sitting below me. I can instantly just go right on Instagram and see what's going on and see who's getting new jobs everywhere. Right. Who's becoming who's becoming a new CEO of their company? They're really, right. even though they're really not. <laughs> we're, we're we're becoming the generation. We're we're the we're becoming that part of the generation where yep. we scream at the clouds. <laughs> That is that story. We got, more to go. we got the best years of screaming at the clouds ahead of us. We do. We very much, very much so. Um, that story, though, really, really hit me because, again, we really, you and I both look at it. That, and I'll admit it. I'll, I don't care. But we both look at our age as older than what we really are because we were conditioned and we hear it and we oh and we follow these things. We follow sports, obviously, and we we work in sports. <sighs> we are so conditioned in our minds to think that, Hey, you're on the, again, it's out there. You're on the wrong side of 30 when in the real world, that really doesn't matter. You're oh, you're on the wrong side of 30. People look at you crazy and they do when you say that, right. but athletes always have that insecurity about their age because it's always drilled into their head that you have a very short window from this age to this age where you're in your prime. And really you're not even close to being in the real prime of your life yet. Yeah. You know, it's so great. You said that we had some pro, we still do have some pro athletes that come through our building to train. And it was one of their birthdays. They had turned 24. I was like, Hey, happy birthday, man. And and he was almost like, he, he looked so like sullen and drawn. And he was like, I can't believe I'm 24 and I haven't made it to this level yet. He's like, I'm, I have maybe one more year left to try to do this. Like in his head, he had like missed this massive opportunity. And, and, Again, that all lends to like we train ourselves so well as an athlete in a game, in a pressure situation to be present. Win this yeah. pitch, good, move on to the next one. And that's the only way we handle all these pressures, right, on the field is by being present. And then yet we go out and like look at every other situation like, oh, I should have done this. What if this doesn't happen? Oh, my goodness. Like we allow all these pressures to, to cave in on us then <laughs> instead of probably utilizing some of those tactics into, you know, other parts of our life. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. So anyway, I I, I encourage everybody to go out and uh, I remember when I was a kid and the Phillies brought up Chase Utley and made him a full time the full time second baseman when he was twenty six years old. And you would think, when looking at it from the lens of athletics, that that's I mean, 
26 years old, first round draft pick. His window, it gets a little bit smaller for how long he's going to be in the major leagues. And he had a very, very nice career, obviously. But I wonder when he, if he would have come up at 24, how much, um, how much more his, his athletic career would have been, his baseball career would have been extended. But looking at it from the real world perspective, 26, he's still, a, I mean, we're still kids at that point. I mean, people right. say when you're in your 20s, you're still a kid. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And, and you know what? Maybe that is something that's uh, it, it, scientifically looking at a male versus a female too. A female's body, um, as I think the female's body starts around like 21, starting to like hormone shifts change a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So the ability for the body to recover, it starts to, or like the, even produce power, like your body's essentially prepping you for like baby time. Right. And it's, sure your hormone shifts so massively that it makes it even more difficult sometimes for a female to play a little bit longer or, or have that much demand on their body. So, and again, I've mentioned there's not a professional outlet really for softball. There's some potential opportunities here and there, but it is very well known that like you have until the age of 22, when you're in high school, you enter high school. It's like, all right, you have eight years left to do this thing. Yeah. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's crazy. That's crazy to think like it's, it's a very, it's usually very finite for uh, at least for females there. I do wonder if athletes, if they were told that at that young age, you know, when they enter high school, hey, look, here's the deal. You have eight years at least, possibly. If you work hard and you have enough talent, you have eight years left to play, male and female. And then mm-hmm. after that, you're finished. I wonder if that shift to that mindset, and I'm not saying, I'm not for when coaches say, you're not going to be a professional athlete or none of you are going to be professional athletes. I think that's bullshit. I think you should, that you saying that to your students as a coach is projecting. I think it's the wrong thing to say, but I think there needs to be, if you're going to say to somebody or encourage them to reach their athletic peak and if they want to play professionally, I think there needs to be that disclaimer in there where you have, but this is how many years you do have left guaranteed if you work hard and you have the talent you have those eight years from the time you're 14 to when you reach the end of college at 22 whether you go d1 d2 or d3 right yeah and and you know maybe that changes perspective i i i knew i knew the end of alabama was gonna be the end of my career and and that was freeing in a lot of ways too i didn't have this like bone on the end of a string like dragging me along and I don't know. It allows you to, to pour everything you have almost more so, right? Like it's like, okay, I can, my body doesn't feel like great. No big deal. I only have two years left to do this. Uh, I'm feeling a little stressed. No big deal. I only have one year left to do this. I only have three months left to do this. Like it, like I knew I, and in a ways I don't think that's a burden. I think that was like a very big blessing that I, we knew, like we knew this was coming to an end and this was going to be the highest level that we could play. Cause even if we did play pro, it probably wouldn't come close to mattering as much as what was going on in college. Right. And financially it wouldn't have been. Yeah. Right. Even, even like financially, like uh, even purposeful wise, like you have someone who's like, yeah, we won the pro championship, which is I'm mm-hmm. not taking anything away from that, yeah. but that's a four team tournament that gets played like over the course of a couple months where everybody comes and watches the world series and, you know, that that's become a much bigger deal. So besides the Olympics, which at the time softball wasn't in the Olympics when we played it, I don't know what else you could win. That would be bigger than the world series, you know? Yeah. And again, it it sets a a date for when things are ending. So then you can really set up your post life. And again, somebody like, say we bring this guy up all the time, Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. he, he can, he is pretty much said that, Hey, this is his last season. He, 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 it gives him the opportunity mentally. And, 
also in the physical world to set up what he's going to do post-career. And, and that's where I think athletes get in trouble in the beginning in their post-athletic life. We'll get to that in just a second. I do want to promote our uh, social media. I'm at Jim Tara. Cassie is at coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram at coach Cassie RB on Twitter. Email us to Jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com episode 11, navigating your life post-athletic career. But I think that's a huge part of it too. Knowing when that we've said this before on the program, knowing when that end date comes and knowing that, Hey, okay, this is when it's happening. Now I can set things up for myself. Even if it's something small, like your physical fitness or staying mm -hmm. in shape, your workout programs of how to stay in shape, things like that. Every little thing can now fall into place for you in a crazy hectic world when you're post-athletic career and you're at that phase. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, it's funny. Cause I, I definitely viewed it as like this, uh, like I was going to, it was this big bad thing that was happening. The end of my softball career, I always viewed it as a negative, but in the same breath, there's a lot of positives. And funny enough, my parents, um, they gave me a jar when I graduated and it was tiny little pieces of paper of 101 things to look forward to in life after softball. And they had been working on it for almost a year to just every time they thought of something like, oh, you can go skiing again, not worried about getting hurt. And, yeah. you know, you don't have to miss family engagements, communions and graduations and birthday parties and whatever else because you have softball. Like there are really cool aspects of your life after your sport. It just becomes very difficult to, to realize that all, all, all at once because it does take some time. How did you navigate? um your friendships relationships how did you navigate all of that post-athletic career because you know when you're in college and you're playing a sport you're very much shut off from a lot of things that are going on on the outside with frat parties sorority parties the rush week all of that kind of stuff and you have your teammates certainly but once this all comes to an end how did you navigate your friendships and building relationships with people that's so funny you said that um i it didn't hit me until I was sitting in my first class at Northern Iowa mm -hmm. that I, I didn't really make any friends. I had a lot of acquaintances, I would say at Alabama, but my true friends were my teammates. Sure. And then I think back to high school and again, I had acquaintances, but my true friends were my teammates. And <laughs> yeah. so now I'm sitting there and I'm like, when have I ever learned how to make a friend? Like, it was just like this shocking realization that like, I didn't know how to make friends. What do people talk about besides softball? Like, you know, right. sitting right. I'm the same way with baseball. And sometimes even to this day, sometimes I, I even do that. What do people talk about if it's not baseball? Oh, I don't know. Um, the NFL and <laughs> gym, yeah. college football. It's very funny. It's, but, well, even in my profession, I, I still am around sports so much. And, and you know, right. I'll go to a wedding and I'll be sitting at a table with people and I'll look and I'll be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what, what's this? What's this coming up? So it is interesting. It, it was it, it was very I, I think that, again, that took time. And that was a little bit of a lonely feeling to realize, well, my my best friends, the people I spent, basically people I call my family. And 10 years later, I still have almost every teammate coming to my, my wedding in a couple mm -hmm. months. We still see each other at least once or twice a year. It's still such an important friendship, but we're, we live thousands of miles apart. You know, it's not like someone you're going to go have dinner with on a Tuesday night. Um, so that was different to navigate. That was certainly something to learn how to, how to do. Yeah. I'm the, I remember the, my first job in professional baseball, the first friend I made was the groundskeeper. And the reason that I made uh, that we, we clicked and we hit it off so easily was because he played college baseball like myself. 
Mm. So it's almost like and I told my mom this and she's like, you know, you, you baseball people, you seem to just find each other, right? Baseball, softball people, you guys just seem to, to find each other. So it never really that never that that bond of, of playing those two sports never really goes away. You always just seem to find each other and seem to have, if not the most in common, the most things you can always talk about, because there's always that nucleus nucleus subject you can talk about, which mm. is baseball or softball. My business partner, baseball. Yeah, mm. I, it, it is funny. Yeah, it's true. And and, you, and maybe any sport kind of falls into that category. But in particular, like it, I, maybe I'm just biased, but like it seems like anybody who plays baseball can talk about baseball all day long. <laughs> I, know. Like I, this. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk about it all day long from the time I wake up to, I mean. Yeah. It's, you know, they, there's that old saying out there where they said, you know, you, you spend so long trying. What's that? No, I don't know the saying. There's that saying out there and I don't even know the saying. Um, you spend so much of your life gripping a baseball. Okay, this is what mm. it is. But it, really, the baseball is gripping you. Ah, That's the saying. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I've interacted with um, professional wrestlers before. Long story. I'm sure I'll tell that some other time. But every time that I've... Um, interacted or have been around professional wrestlers um they always they seem to just kind of gravitate towards each other and they're telling stories back and forth to one another and just, they're just kind of communicating to one another and they have a way of doing it it's hard to explain but it's the same thing i think with with baseball players softball players any athlete that when you're around somebody who um you can relate to whether it be as a player or whatever, somebody who worked in the game, baseball and softball, there's a certain communication that you have with that person that you don't have with people on like on the outside world, like say a nurse or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And, and it's not that you can't find stuff to relate on. Obviously it's, you know, but it, it it's almost like, I remember feeling sad one time sitting in that classroom in Iowa, trying to bring something up and just realizing these are, this, this, these might not be my people and that it's okay. But like you go so long with just being surrounded by that comfort zone of being a part of a team. And I do think every year you, you get done with your sport, you probably mourn something different each year. And, and I do feel like that first year I was just mourning, not having a team. And in actuality, you always have a team in either your family or like, you know, you might have pockets, but it's probably also why, like, look at how many former athletes go and join CrossFit and, and love that tribe and love that camaraderie. Like we're trying to seek that comfort zone of people that we can relate to, you know, and it's, right. it's uh, to, to be 22 and, and realize this is the first time probably since I was eight that I didn't have it. It's, that's a good part of your life where it's not there, you know? Yeah, it's a great comparison too. A lot of athletes they join CrossFit gyms or they go to the gym, they go work out because they still need that competition. Let me ask you, when you were in Iowa, who did you rely on socially? Who, who did you rely who was on your team um as it were um that you could reach out to when you were feeling these moments of loneliness? So you're going to you're going to laugh probably but I had two professors with mm -hmm. families they had young kids that were playing softball and I had missed my um my family back home so See was, some, softball is uh, baseball they always I seem know. to interject their, I know themselves it. So I, you know, these, these professors like opened their home to me. They were like having me over for dinner. If they ever had like something as simple as pumpkin carving, whatever it was. But in actuality, I just, I, I had missed my cousins. I missed my family and this was a perfect segue. Uh, and then coach Murphy at Alabama, his mom went to, lived in the area and went to church every Sunday. So mm -hmm. I had my 80 something year old best friend at church. Um, but again, I was, 
you know, she loves the game of softball. She loves obviously her son. And, and we would chat about that a lot too. So it was very different than 18 to 22 year old girls that I was used to hang out with, but it was, um, they were just little pockets of my family. And then everyone in that grad program um, that went to you and I during that time period is, is uber successful right now and is in a really good pocket in their career and their life. And so I don't, probably didn't realize it at the time, but just how cool it was to just see those guys in class and, and work with them on projects was, was very neat. So how did you, of course, with the scheduling, you know, that if, when you were still playing, you had summer where you get ready for the fall and then you have fall ball and you have these lifts. There's a lot of things that, that really get sprung out of whack when you are done your athletic career. How did you align everything from your fitness standpoint to just your overall scheduling? Because you didn't have these softball obligations anymore. You weren't going into a clubhouse anymore. You weren't going to fall practices. You weren't going to winter or morning workouts. So how did you get everything in line to where it needed to be personally in your life in general? For sure. I think people learn a lot about themselves. I, in those couple of years after I was mm-hmm. so busy as an athlete and I thought, okay, finally I'll be able to not be as busy now, not mm-hmm. fill my schedule from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. And I tried that for a little bit. And then I realized how much I craved that. And anytime, anytime in my life, I think like, Oh, I'm got, I've gotten too busy and I'll take things away. I'm like, Nope, I want it back. <laughs> I want something, yeah. some, someone's back. But I would, I realized how, much I liked waking up early and wake, working out, even though I used to be like, oh, I can't wait to not do this anymore when I was a player. I would right. still wake up. I'd still work out. Um, I coached a ton to pay for grad school. I didn't think I wanted to be a coach, but I was coaching at night till like nine o'clock at night to pay for my grad degree. And that's kind of when I started to realize, shoot, I'm enjoying this more than I'm enjoying what I'm actually <laughs> doing in my degree. Um, and then I had, I think Wednesdays were my day that I was open. And that's when I started either t- going and talking to teams or I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just try to write a book. And so talk about slamming my schedule. Like I was, I was either writing my thesis, writing my book, going to class. I was working as an, a graduate assistant because that's what was paying for half my grad degree. And then I was working after w- mm-hmm. school to pay for, you know, giving, giving lessons. So I think whether you call that like a coping mechanism, like, oh, I don't want to actually deal with these bad feelings of missing my sport, so I'm going to yeah. film my day so I'm too busy, <laughs> or if that's just, you know, something I do crave in general. It's probably some semblance of a combination of both, but yeah, it was just, it was trying to learn. It was trying to learn, like, do I like working out in the morning, at night, at home, at, you know, just trying to figure it out. <laughs> Did you ever go through that abyss, that unknown of, okay, what's, what's next year? Because mm-hmm. there is no more softball, and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Did you ever go through that? Yes, yes, and no. I, and I, how did you I, cope with it? Yeah, so I definitely went through through it, but I didn't mm-hmm. go through it and um, have a like uh, a panic about it either. You know, I think some people go through it and it, and it really hits them. Um, it was it was right when I started to realize, shoot, I'm really enjoying coaching. I'm not over like, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to go on to my PhD. I don't think I want to go work in a lab the rest of my life. Like I thought I want to coach. And then, so there, you know, I left for grad school. I had one more semester. I was going home for the summer and I was like, I don't, you know, that whole June and July, I, I really didn't know. I was like really sitting there trying to think. I think probably the reason I didn't have that stress is because I had parents who were like, don't go jump into something that you hate. Like let's, we'll, you, you have time to like do an internship. You can live at home if you need to. And I know that's a big debate. Some parents say like, well, no, you, you gotta get kicked out back against the wall and then figure it out. And then, you know, I think you have other parents who are like my situation that just said, let's, let's afford you time to start something if you want to start it. 
that summer I met my, my now business partner. So mm -hmm. it was very funny how right when I was at this crossroads, I ended up meeting this guy who's like, Hey, I really want to do a facility. We can own it. We can coach in it. Let's see where mm -hmm. this goes. So that's obviously worked out. So it was really only about two months of not knowing. <laughs> how did you guys meet? That's interesting how the stars align there. It is interesting. Um, I was giving a hitting lesson um, mm -hmm. in my backyard and this guy brought his daughter and he's like, you know, uh, I know someone who has the same degree as you. He did that whole kinesiology thing. He goes, you should get, you guys should meet and just chat about research. And I was like, okay. So I had, you know, I was meeting someone at a Starbucks to talk about kinesiology, I guess. And I knew nothing about him. And he walked in, um, he sat down, he got his notebook out. He's like, all right, awesome. He's like, so let me know, wh why do you think you'd be a good fit for this job? And I was like, what job? <laughs> I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? An interview about? all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was this like ambushed uh, uh, job interview that turned into more of a business partner conversation that obviously has led to what our company companies are right now. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and and so random. it is amazing though, how the, how the stars align there. Yes. Like that. You know, definitely. I'm super grateful for that. Did you, did you ever have that moment where you went back and said, man, I really wish I would have focused on studying this more because now I'm finding out that this is my passion and not so much kinesiology. A little bit. I mean, Northern Iowa is known for strength and conditioning and mm -hmm. they had such a phenomenal strength and conditioning department, but I had it so stuck in my head. I didn't want to coach that. I really stayed way more in the lab and didn't interact with athletes while I was there. Um, and so when I got to this facility, it was almost like I was trying to do a crash course. I had like six months to try to teach myself everything about strength and conditioning um, to try to be a certified strength and conditioning professional and, and get all those those certifications in order to coach. Uh, and I was sitting there and I was like, son of a gun. I was sitting in Iowa for two years. I could have been doing this. But yes and no. Like I, I you say that, but in the same breath, like all the other things I did learn obviously helped me in, in other ways too. You know, I you know what, go back and erase it. The way we, the world we live in today, I think it gives you an opportunity. And I think that athletes post their career have a lot more opportunities than say the athletes who um, were finished in the nineties, early two thousands. And I say that because you can combine certain passions with your actual profession. You mm. have combined kinesiology with softball and teaching softball and teaching hitting through the way the body moves and through muscular patterns, body patterns, movement patterns. I, I think that is a good lesson in there for a lot of athletes trying to navigate that post career that you don't have to be fixated on one particular thing. You can combine a couple of things because there's a lot of outlets, a lot of new technology out there. You can be creative and you can do something that, that, um, nourishes that passion, but also it, it gives you the opportunity to make money and to make a living as well. A absolutely. And I think too, you, you, you start to have to redefine what you think of as success or successful, because as an athlete, success might be winning a championship. Success mm -hmm. might be getting drafted. Success might be a certain miles per hour that you're throwing, whatever that may be, you get done and then you have to figure out, okay, what is success to you? And, and I, and my business partner and I say this all the time, we didn't get into coaching to make all this money. And, the, and, mm -hmm. and we certainly wanted to be able to make a living and do what we love. Someone else's definition of success is very different, especially living right outside of New York city. Like sure. there are ample opportunities for maybe a, a lower quality of life in the beginning of your career to lead to a higher quality of life later on. Like it's, it's not the same path for everybody. And I think that's also something athletes have to keep in mind is what one person does is going to be completely different than someone else. And, and you're going to get to a good place. Um, it just, it doesn't have to be the same. And I think that again is lends to 
that thief of joy. Like when you start comparing, like, well, yeah, that's their path. This is your path. You're not in a bad place. You just might be in a different place than you thought you were. And that doesn't mean you're not right where you're supposed to be. And that's, yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, again, there's, there's, that's just a myth that's, that's, that, that is kind of, I guess, was fabricated by our society where right away, you know, at 23, 24, 25, you have to have things figured out. Mm-hmm. And it's just simply, it's simply not the case. That's why, you know, for me, and I, you know, you've mentioned before that you're getting married very soon. I think that for me, getting married at a later age, if you're late 20s, early 30s, is probably the proper way to go in today's world. Because, like I mentioned before and alluded to, with so much technology out there, there's so many things you can do. I never imagined three years ago I'd be doing two pod, one podcast, let alone two. Mm-hmm. I always looked, I actually, in fact, I've, I've said once, I said, I'm never going to do a podcast. I just right. don't see the point of it. And here I am doing two podcasts. So that's why, for, to me personally, that I think that po- athletes post their career, they have to, at the, between ages 22 to 25, have to realize that you're still very young and there's still time to figure things out and still have a little bit of fun and to expand your network and to understand that there's a lot of other things out there that you can do now that you didn't get a chance to do when you were so dedicated to your sport. So true. Uh, Coach Murphy used to say all the time, you could have a grain of rice, but if you're thankful for that grain of rice, you're going to be happy. And Mm -hmm. you could have everything you've ever wanted, but still be looking at everyone else and thinking, well, I should have done this path and I should have done that. And and you're never going to be like, huh, okay, I'm where I'm supposed to be. But if you constantly look at like, okay, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful for this failure. I'm grateful I met this person, whatever it may be. All of a sudden, I think that lends to a, a little bit more of a content version of yourself with where you are in your life and and also having that growth mindset that your better your best days are still ahead of you that they're not yeah. when you were an athlete or wherever they may be i like the idea of taking one day at a time mm. you know because if you list off things that you want to do you never seem to do them mm. more spot more spontaneity that's what <laughs> I, that would be my advice it's fair be, spon- right. be spon- spontaneous with what you yeah. want to do I think, you know, I used to at the very beginning or end of the year, I would like look back at the year, try to think of the next year and be like, all right, where do I want to be a year from now? And it was more like less to do goals and more to be goals type thing that yeah. I think, you know, probably start to fall into place. What do they always say? The the dreamer gets nowhere. The doer just does it or something like that. I'm I'm not on top of my well, you're full of your today. <laughs> yeah. Real, I'm real Jimmy cliche today. <laughs> I want everybody. I want to give everybody a quick lesson. Like, for example, spontaneity. I'm going to the Bucks home opener tomorrow. You know when I decided that? Yes. Well, tomorrow. We're recording this on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. But so I went to the Bucks home opener on Sunday. Um, <laughs> but we know when I decided that on Friday. There you go. There you go. Sometimes you just have to, you know, nice. and and be willing to spend 500 bucks. You know, the service fees on these tickets are getting ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, pay for experiences, right? Not for things. I guess. Yeah another cliche still i mean (laughs) we're price gouging us here all right um next week um episode 12 we're gonna get into some hitting stuff next week Uh, talking about keeping a hitting journal by the way somebody i was talking with somebody earlier in the week um about this they asked me asked my opinion why i don't know but they asked my opinion on what my favorite drills were for hitting and i told them i'm pretty simple you know i like front toss i like um off center front toss working on the inner half and the outer half of the plate but i'm also old school i like to go on the field and i Mm -hmm. like to take batting practice on the field to get some training um from some visual um visualization training um what are your favorite hitting drill i'm i'm not big on like too many drills um Mm -hmm. What are your favorite what are your favorite hitting drills though what would you recommend so oh, if people are uh 
is it like super cliche to say the one that's right for the athlete? Well, today's um, show is cliche, cliche. Yeah, I, 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 I love field drills that um, let an athlete flow. And mm-hmm. so something as simple as like, uh, if I were to start an athlete to just like try to learn how to create power and how to flow in their swing type, some type of walk-up drill or like a, almost like a Bellinger drill where you start mm-hmm. tall and, and take a big step into it just to, just to feel the power of that whip in your bat. I also like constraint drills. So something where um, not letting you move around a lot at all. And maybe I'm restricting your legs. I'm letting you, I'm forcing you to keep your bat in your shoulder and I'm letting you just to teach yourself like, okay, this is how, how quick you can be or how short to the ball you can be. So those are kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. And then I don't disagree with that at all. Front toss on a field, maybe at mm-hmm. night is probably like the coolest thing on the planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just to be able to see where the ball goes, when the ball lands, where it goes, that spin is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, real, I think that's probably the most valuable way to, to understand sequencing. Like, Hey, when I overswing, the ball doesn't go as far as when I allow my, my body to whip and flow. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, if we're going, if we're going there, that's, that's at night under the lights, front toss on a field. It's probably my favorite. <laughs> there you go. Simple simplicity. Very simple. So that's next week. Um, episode 12, creating a hitting journal this week. Be sure to check out the lab Epstein hitting podcast. Jake is back. Episode 115, talking about understanding a pitcher in the box. Very cool. A lot of fun doing that. Uh, what do you have coming up at softball strength Academy? Softball Strength Academy, we are getting busy. We are actually combining a lot of our hitting programs. We have quite a few girls doing our hitting programs with Mm -hmm. our throwing programs, and they're committing to the entire six months of off-season. So we're writing a lot of programs for our athletes right now. So that's at Softball Strength Academy and at Velo University to check both out. And then any athlete that trains with us also gets their strength training. So that strength training can be found at at athletes.warehouse on Instagram. I want to check something before we sign off here. In a second. Um, okay, because I have a question about uh, college football. I think I'm going to make that make that a thing every every week now for the rest of the football season. Let's see here. Uh, Penn State last week beat Auburn, and apparently they are playing the SEC. Uh, what what's which SEC is the um is, are is Alabama in the West? Okay, SEC West Conference. So I don't think, okay. Auburn's in the East with like Florida and Georgia and right side. West is LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, I believe. Okay. All right. Never mind. I was going to say, because Penn State looks pretty good last week. I think they would give Alabama a run for their money. I think, you know what? I wish there was more things like the Texas Alabama game we saw a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's a great game. Oh my gosh. Those are so good for the sport. So yeah, Alabama has Vanderbilt today. Okay, so okay. Pray for Vanderbilt, everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the? Let me see. If the line is on that game. Uh, I actually don't. I don't know what it is. Oh boy. Yeah. What I? Oh yeah. Looks like Alabama's going to win that one, according to the lines. Pretty. Uh, pretty handily. All right. Well, uh, next week, episode twelve, cross functionality. Be sure to subscribe and watch the shows off all Strength Academy YouTube page, and we will talk to you next week. Bye bye.